if your focus is on Him. It is pretty hard if your focus is looking around at the waves and the wind that's blowing. It's a distraction. You know, before I start, I feel like the Lord wants to speak something probably to more than just one of you. And that is that you've walked with God a long time. And you've been discouraged a number of times because you just haven't seen in your life that which you've been taught and believed. And that's discouraging. But the Lord wants you to know that He is still God. He is still on the throne. And all that you know deep down in your spirit is still true about Him. Don't forsake the truth of God just because of your own experience. Don't let your experience steal from you the truth of God. Continue to stand in faith in Him. It's not good enough just to have faith. You've got to have faith in Him. The Bible does not teach just to have faith. It teaches to have faith in Him. And sometimes we get confused about that. So if that fits you, just stand up and reach out there and take that thing that, that is before you that always seems to be elusive that you can't quite get to and stand firm looking unto God, looking to Him who is the author and finisher of our faith. He says, confess your sins and He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with sin in our life such that we, we think God has just backed off and removed Himself. That is not true. When you confess your sins, He not only forgives you, but He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So some of you that have walked with God but have kind of backed away, it's time to stand up again and step forward and say, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. You are the great I am. I am nothing, but in you I am empowered by you. Father, I thank you that your word is true always. It is true no matter what I experience it is true because you spoke it. Father, I pray that we might learn that, that we might truly be vessels of your word and the truth of your word coming through us, abiding in us, making us the people of God that you've called us to be. Anoint this time and bring forth your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know there's plenty of you that could be up here, and I'm privileged to get to, to do this twice. That's a blessing for me. Thanks for affording me the benefit and the time to do that. Let's look again at John 15, where we were last week. And I want to restate a couple of things, then we're going to move on. What I have to share with you this morning will be foundational, 
And some of you are saying, man, I've heard all that before. And that's true, you have. But sometimes we just need to be reminded. Peter said, I'll always put you in remembrance as long as I'm in this tabernacle. And we've got to be reminded of the truth of God. John 15, starting in verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. We've got to abide in Him. I talked last week about staying connected to the vine as a branch. And as a branch, if you get cut loose from the vine, it goes on to teach you're good for nothing but to be cast into the fire and burned. But if you stay connected, if you abide in Him, then He is very very many things to you. He's your protector and your provider. We talked last week about He is the Master, Lord of our lives. And we get to... When we are hidden with Christ in God, we get to start looking through His eyes. We get to start seeing things from His viewpoint. And you've probably discovered that when you look through His eyes, things look a lot different. Isn't that right? Everything looks different. Maybe the same thing, but the, the vantage point from which you look changes everything. So when you're in the middle of trials and tribulations and they're just all around you, they look pretty devastating and overwhelming. But when you look at that same event from God's perspective, it's not such a big deal. Because God's view is very different than ours. And we get to, as we abide in Him, we get to see things from His viewpoint. We get to walk in His way. The Bible says, There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Anybody ever walked in a way that seemed right, only to find that in the end, it was a way of death? Probably we all have. That's deception. That's believing something to be true that's really a lie. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And all the things we have in God as we abide in Him, as we stay connected to Him, they benefit us. Now, they may not benefit us like we wish they would, Sometimes God works in our lives for our good and it just doesn't seem to benefit me like I'd like for it to benefit me. And yet, we've got to look at it through God's eyes. It does benefit you over the long eternity in which we're going to live. It may not benefit you 
in the moment. But in God's span of time, which really God only has one span of time, it's called eternity, it is for your good. Things look different through God's eyes. And His way, His way, instead of my way, is the only place I'm going to find that. It was every man going his own way that was the original sin. Adam decided to go his own way. Every man who is not walking with God does so because he chooses to go his own way. And he always finds in his own way destruction and lust and corruption and distractions and all the things that the world throws at you. That's what you will find when you walk your own way. So we have to abide in Him. Now likewise, I want to start today, He must abide in me. If I wish for the new nature of which I am born, the nature of the Spirit, if I wish for that nature to live in me, to manifest Himself in me, then He has to abide in in me. Colossians tells us that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your hope of glory is totally tied up in somebody else. Christ. Totally. There's not any hope, any hope, of attaining glory on your own. None. But in Christ, and Christ in you, is the hope of glory. He, Christ, literally, literally, this is not just imagination I'm talking here. He literally is the power of new life. When He says that He will be one with us, He's not talking about oneness that you know with your spouse in marriage. Now that is oneness. And the Bible teaches us that that is oneness. But when He becomes one with us, and we become one with Him, there is a a level of oneness that we don't even know in marriage. It is a oneness of literally the life of God Himself flowing through us. My wife and I are one, and I love her dearly, and the oneness we share is immense. But it cannot measure up to the flow of the Spirit of God within you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He literally is that oneness with us, and it is the real thing. It is that enabling grace to walk in His Spirit. Without Him in us, now hear this, without Him in us, our life is nothing but religion. Get that. All the good that I might do, all the steps of performance and effort that I might put forth, without Him is only religion. He, 
Christ in me is what makes life, the life of faith, consistent, fullness, and abundance. You know that He promised that. But He did not promise that apart from Himself. He said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And that's a promise we cling to. But notice, it depends on Him coming. He said, I came to give you life. It's in Him. The life that we have and hope to live out as Christians is in Him. He is, now hear this, He is the non-created life of God in us. All of us were created beings. But when Christ Jesus comes into you, His life was in the beginning. His life was not part of the creation. He was part of the Creator. So the life of God that comes into you when Christ comes into you is the non-created life of God. Turn with me, if you will, now to Romans chapter 8. And beginning in verse 8. Yeah. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, verse 9, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now get this verse. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through, this, through His Spirit who dwells in you. He flows through you. He is the life of God that we have, that we claim, that we proclaim. He flows through us. In John 7, Jesus said, He that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So when he says, out of us shall flow rivers of living water, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God living in and flowing through us that makes us containers, almost, of Him. Vessels of Him. That's the way we are. In previous lessons, for probably a long time, you've heard an awful lot about exchanging, right? And you've been taught that we must exchange our sin for His righteousness, our old nature for a new nature. You've been taught that you were crucified 
buried, resurrected, and ascended with Christ. You've been taught that you've been born again of an incorruptible seed. And that seed comes from God Himself. You've been taught that denying self, denying the old nature, and identifying with Christ, the new nature, is what sets us all free. But often we learn these things and then we go home and we say, How? How does this work? I believe it. I see it. How does it work? And, and, and I've been talking to you that it works by abiding in Christ. It works by believing that you're in Him. You've got to believe and trust that you're in Him. And when you do that, you're abiding. And when you're abiding, all these things of the exchange are actually true in your life. Being His disciple, I talked last month, last week, is making Him your master, your Lord, and walking in His way instead of your own way. And you do that by seeing through His eyes, believing and appropriating what He wants you to have. But, he, but even after that, you probably say, wow, there still seems to be a problem here. I, I mean, I hear it, I understand it, I might can even quote it. But I, I go out there and I walk and I just don't seem to engage this truth that I, I see and that I believe. What seems to be the problem? And I, I think the Lord showed me something I want to share with you. Her, turn to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. And I'm go ahead and put it up. Do you have, uh, you don't have the English Standard Version, do you? Put it up there in King James, and, and I'm reading a little out of English Standard, and, and it'll be slightly different, but it says the same thing. Okay. He says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. That sounds like the problem that, that exists sometimes in my life. I've heard it. I believe it. But I'm, I'm kind of dull. That word dull means sluggish. I'm kind of sluggish in the way things are going. Verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, probably all of us. Seems like we just have to have the basic foundations taught over and over. Verse 13, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child, or that word means a baby or an infant. But solid food, verse 14, is for the mature, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So we've got this problem of being dull of hearing. And in many ways, we're, we're still like a baby when it comes to the oracles of God and His way. That word, dull of hearing, the word hearing there, 
is the same exact Greek word that we find in Romans 10.17, which says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So in one case, we're dull of hearing, but he teaches us that it is by hearing that we gain faith. And what is it we hear? The word of Christ. He said up there in Hebrews that where we just read that we were unskilled in what? The word of righteousness. So there seems to be a, a mismatch here between the word of God, which we need and we need to believe, walking in faith, and the fact that we're just kind of dull of hearing. And so instead of hearing the word of God, we're just sluggish. And we're dull, and we're not hearing it. In Galatians 3, he says, Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So our faith is weakened because we're not hearing, but instead we are dull of hearing. And that's why I can look at my life and probably some of you can too and say, "Man, I've been walking in this walk a long time. I ought to be a teacher, but instead I have to be taught again. Not only do I have to be taught again, I have to be taught the foundational principles all over again." And that's because I'm dull of hearing, hearing the word of God. In Hebrews 4, verse 2, he says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you can't hear in the Spirit without faith. But faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word. The Word of God. So what does it mean to be dull of hearing? It simply means this. I'm not perceiving the things of God. I'm not sensing the spiritual world that's around me. I'm dull to the Word of God. What makes me dull of hearing? Well, according to verse 14, it is a lack of exercise in the things of God that give me training. And I want you to notice something. The word training up there in verse 14, or the word practice, which, which any athlete does, is practice. That word is habit or use. I have to practice and practice and practice until it becomes habit. That's what he means there by training and practicing. And what is it that I'm training? He says, training of our senses. The word senses. Now, this is good, folks. The word senses in the Greek means an organ of perception. That's what needs training. There's in me somewhere. I don't know if it's up here or in here or back here, but it's in there. He calls it senses, and it is an organ 
whereby I perceive the things of God. So therefore, I have to have to have my senses trained or practiced, used, performing a habit that I might gain the perception to know God and to know God's will. So what is it in me that needs to be exercised? Faith. It is our faith that has to be used habitually, exercised. A muscle in your body, if it is not used, it will atrophy. If it's not exercised, it will atrophy. It is not created with a set number of starts. When God made you, He didn't make your muscles to have 3,622 times that it can be used. And after that, it's all over. He didn't do it that way. He gave you muscles. And as you exercise those muscles, it gives that muscle strength. And that strength then becomes the ability to do it again. Its ability to start is derived from the new strength that it gains every time it is used or practiced. Likewise, faith is spiritual exercise of abiding in Him and He in us. And every time I use it, my faith is strengthened. And my abiding becomes easier and more controlling in my life. So abiding occurs as I believe. But I believe as I use the faith that I have. I use it. I exercise it. I step out there and I walk in faith, believing the Word of God. And every time I do that, I'm strengthened. My muscle of spirituality is strengthened. And I become able then to do some of these things that we've been wishing we could do, like abiding in Him, making the exchange, seeing through His eyes, recognizing what really is valid in life, and turning away from those things that are not valid. The Lord gave me a a brief sentence that summarizes what I've just said. He said, I must trust, and talking about me, I must trust, which is the exercise of faith, my perception, which is the sense of God and His will. That's pretty simple. I must trust my perception. The Holy Spirit of God living in me telling me the will of God, guiding me into all truth, I've got to trust that. Dorman likes to say, it's having the faith of another. The faith of the Son of God. I've got to trust that He's in me, that Christ in me knows the truth, walks in the truth, and I'm walking in Him. If I'm not there then I have to get there if I want maturity. But then that raises the question, 
Do I want that? Do I want maturity? Do I want to grow in the things of God? You know, you're not going to go any further if you don't want to. And sometimes we hear sermons that sound really good. And we go away rejoicing, excited. And we tell somebody, man, that was a good sermon this morning. But deep, deep down, we leave and we know, we know. We don't tell anybody, but we know. That's good, but I don't want it. Now, I don't know if you have ever admitted that to yourself. Most of us don't like to, but it's the truth. Do I want all of God? Do I want to grow in His grace and in His Spirit? Do I really and truly want the Spirit of God living in me, walking in me, guiding my steps, ordering the way that I go, letting me see through His eyes? That all sounds good, but do I really want it? So, that's the first question you've got to answer. And if you don't, you really don't, aren't going to hear the rest of what I have to say. But if you do, if you do, if you're sincere, if you want the fullness of God and the maturity that goes with it, then, then listen to this question. What practical things will help me become a disciple. Make Him my master. Help me see through His eyes. Make the exchange of the old for the new. Believe and appropriate abiding in Him. Trusting my perception. I want to talk to you about two things. They're real simple, and you already know them. You could be up here preaching because I don't have anything new to say to you, but I have an admonition from the Lord. The first one is this. Turn to to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that word sons, that's different from the word children. That's a level of maturity that I hope we all want. But see, that was my first question. Do you want to mature to being a son? Or are you content to be a child? And there's a difference. But he says those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now turn to Galatians 5, 16. Galatians 5.16 This I say then walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would man I know what that's like not doing the things that I want that tells me it's because there's a conflict between the flesh and the Spirit. But look what verse 18 says. But, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. What liberty? What freedom? 
So the first thing we have to do is learn to be led by the Spirit. And that goes back to the faith and the trust and the confidence in God that He is bigger than you are and He is able to do in and through you what you can never do for yourself. You got to get past the idea that all this depends on me. Let me tell you, folks, I've lived a long time walking with the Lord, and, I, and most of that time, I've thought I had to do some things. I've thought it depended on me. And I'm finding out, after all these years, it really doesn't. I'm learning to live by the faith of another. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is not me living anymore, folks. It's not you living anymore either. And then the second thing is this, and this is where I'm, I'm convinced that most of the body of Christ is so lacking. And it is simply in knowing the Word of God. Remember, we talked a whole lot about the Word. It is hearing the Word of God that gives you faith. And faith is essential to walking in the ways of God. So if you don't know the Word of God, you can't have faith. And if you can't have faith, you can't walk in the ways of God. Back to Romans ten seventeen, he said, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God said this to me, My word that you hear and believe is my life impartation to you. It is me abiding in you. Let me say that again. My word that you hear and believe is my life impartation to you. So knowing His Word brings me faith, which is Him abiding in me. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What's it, who's He talking about there? What's He talking about? He's talking about Christ. Christ is the Word. And He was made flesh and dwelt among us. So when we say His Word, we're talking about Christ. His Word is Christ who dwells among us. Now hear this. If Christ abiding in me is my exchange, then Christ, who is God's Word, always speaks and leads me through Himself, the Word that we hear and believe in order to partake of His divine nature. Now that's a mouthful, and you're going to have to meditate on that. But it's the Word of the Lord. If Christ, abiding in me, is my exchange, which it is, then Christ, who is God's Word, always speaks and leads me through Himself, the Word. And that Word leads me to hear and believe 
and thereby partake of what? His divine nature. Go study 2 Peter chapter 1, and he talks about that. Hence, I must know his word. Without it, I cannot survive, for it is my daily bread. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how you live. That's how you survive. You do not live in a spiritual world apart from the Word of God, for it is your bread. Psalms 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible. I would urge you to read it multiple times. It ain't going to happen quickly because it's a long chapter. It is, it's, it's totally about the Word of God. It is. And he uses different words in there that, that mean the same, mean the Word of God. He uses the word statutes, precept, testimony, word, law, commandment, and rule. All of those is referring to the Word of God. I want to read you just a few of them. You don't have to turn, but I'm going to read you in Psalms 119. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, these, these are necessary things if we're going to not sin. And if we're going to keep our way pure. We've got to have the word of God in us. Verse 36 says, Incline your, my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Remember your word, verse 49, to your servant in which you have made me hope. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. There's great benefit to you. As the Word of God dwells in you. And there's a whole lot more. I got a whole other page here that I'm not going to read. His Word, apart from His Word on a regular basis, and it becoming a, such a part of us that it literally abides in us. You say that you mean the Word abides in us? Yes. If you go back to where we started, John 15, verse 7, He says, If you abide in me and my words, Abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done. So apart from His Word on a regular basis, and it becoming such a part of us that it abides in us, affecting our behavior and the way that we live, then we will be deceived at some point. That's a bold statement I'm making. It's brash, but it is true. You will always stumble into deception if you do not know the Word of God. We talked this morning in coffee shop about a number of situations and teachings out there that are deceptive. And people got into it not intending to be deceived, not intending to, to be off base, but they got there because Satan's constantly throwing lies at us. And after all, that's what a deception is. It's simply believing a lie to be the truth. That's what it is. 
Romans, here's a couple of things that, that deceive people. Romans 7.11 says, For sin, seizing an opportunity through the word, or through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. The word deceived in that verse literally means to seduce holy, to beguile. Sin seized an opportunity through the commandment, through the word, and deceived me and through it killed me. See, it can happen. Sin can be deceptive. And it will be deceptive if we don't take steps to guard against it. And, and a, one final uh, place that deception is rampant, and that's about the end times. Uh, Luke 21 says, And Jesus said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Go not therefore after them. Because they're deceiving. There will be all kinds of messages out there about the end times. And if you don't know the word of Christ, then you will be deceived. And you say, man, you, I thought you were going to set me free. You're putting me under bondage. You're telling me I've got to learn the word of Christ. I, I want to tell you this. I'm not standing here before you claiming to know the word of Christ fully. But I can tell you enough that when I let the Word of God dwell in me richly, as it says, you know what I get? I don't get bondage. I get liberated. The Word of Christ will set you free. It is the truth. And the Word says the truth will set you free. So it's not going to be bondage. It is going to require some discipline. Some of you are sitting there thinking, well, he's talking about Dorman. Dorman can quote the whole Bible. You know why he can do that? Because he's lived in it. He's meditated it. He doesn't memorize anything. I'm not talking about memorizing. I'm not talking about a place of bondage. I'm talking about hearing the Word of God. If you read the Bible, and if you make this Bible your standard as opposed to your experience being your standard, or the newspaper being your standard, or the national media being your standard, then you're going to hear a lot of things out there that just, just don't sit quite right. You're going to know, hey, wait a minute, that sounds good, but it doesn't quite line up with something that I read here. This has to become your standard. And only if it does will you be set free and will you avoid deception. And I'm going to tell you, the body of Christ is very lacking. The body of Christ largely is dull of hearing. We are guilty of not knowing this. This is not just a book, folks. This is dynamic. It is not static. It is dynamic it is ever-living, it is growing, and it comes forward every day with new revelation. It has survived the ages, and all that man could do to it to kill it, it has survived it, because it is the Word of God. And I have to have it in here if I have any hope. 
So if you don't have some means of getting this into you, please get there. I don't know what it takes, but it takes some time and it takes some commitment. And I tell you, you just get one taste, one taste of revelation from God's Word. And, and man, it's the sweetest thing you ever tasted. It's better than any apple pie you could ever have. Topped with whipped cream. Bluebell. It's better. And it will entice you to come back again and come back again. And sometimes it won't be so sweet and so refreshing, but keep at it because it'll be there and it'll get you there. And, you know, I, I can't quote the Bible like Norman can, but I got some of it living in me. And it's a living thing. And when it's alive, it guides me and it keeps me and it guards me. And so I hear some of these things and I know, mm, wait a minute, that, that's not quite right. That's deception. But if I don't have this, then I'm just going to buy it all. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bide my time here just waiting for, to be raptured out of here. And there's a lot of Christians doing that. But they're missing the fullness of God and the kingdom of God here on the earth. Thank you for letting me preach at you. That's not my intention. My intention is to teach you that there is a way that you can walk, that God will empower you, that God will enable you. He will give you grace that abounds far beyond your skills. And you will find yourself being a vessel of the living God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Anything else? I preached out of the new man. I've heard Steve preach out of the old man. I really? like what I'm hearing. You like Did the you, new better? I like the new better. Yeah, me too. I like the new a whole lot better. You know, this morning we was, was talking, I think you stepped out and was talking about, <clears throat> you know, when, except you're born of the Spirit and it says the, the wind blows where you will. Yeah, I heard that. And you hear the sound, you can't tell which coming and which going. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. And then Romans 14, yeah. did you hear the word led? The word led in, in the Greek, it means to be put to sea, to oh. be put to sail. As many as are what? Like a ship where the wind blows you around, see. As led by the Spirit of the sons of God. It, it's yeah. a navigation word. Yeah. yeah. And see, that's Amen. the way we're to be, the led of the Spirit. Amen. They are the sons of God. It's good. The word is good. I can assure you it's good. It's better than bluebell. Now, for me, that's for me to say that. Y'all know that I mean that, really, because there's not much better than bluebell. Thanks, Steve. Father, we thank you for your word today. And, Lord, the book of James warns us about hearing the word and not being doers of the word and deceiving ourselves. So, Lord, we ask today that every one of us purpose in our heart, our new heart, to be a doer of this word and not a hearer only. And, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good word.